Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Hello, everybody, throughout LOM land. We are about to have a podcast uh, different from most of our other podcasts. In in most of our podcasts, we interview one person at a time. In this podcast, we're going to be interviewing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people representing five of our LOM camps. And these are camps that, in spite of COVID-19, They felt that they were called to provide outdoor ministry, summer camp, traditional summer camp, overnight summer camp this past summer, the summer of 2020, and were able to do it safely and do everything that was necessary to do whatever we can to assure health and wellness for all who participate. And so uh, in the hopes that Others who might be thinking about summer camp uh, next summer, doing summer camp, even if COVID-19 is still with us. And for those who did summer camp this past summer and are looking for some additional ideas, suggestions, and that type of thing, uh, we're presenting this this podcast as a way of uh, learning from the experience that these folks are willing to share. Uh, We have with us today, representative from Badlands Lutheran Camp in North Dakota, Brett Seeks, who is the executive director. We have Jesse Weiss, the executive director of Amnicon in Wisconsin. We have Clark Baldwin and Dana Isaacson from Iwalu in Iowa. We have Tom Bly and Ben Carlson from Shalom in Iowa, and we have Dave Jarvis and Cam Redneider from Rainbow Trail in Colorado. So I think we're about ready to begin, and we're going to begin with Brent Seeks, who will tell us a little bit about their experience at Badlands Camp in North Dakota this past summer. Brent. Yeah, thank you, Don. Um, I guess the first thing that I think is really important to say that we feel like we were able to have a great summer. It turned out that way, and it's purely by the grace of God. And so we certainly um, labored at making some changes and, and undergoing some measures and all those pieces to it. But when we reflect back on the summer, we realize first and foremost, it's just by the grace of God that that things worked out well for us this summer. I certainly would also mention that we were in a part of the country in southwestern North Dakota um, that was maybe hit a little bit differently by COVID in terms of the timing than other places. The four camps in Western North Dakota all were able to operate on-site camp this summer with some modifications. And so we realized that parts of the country uh, were affected differently. The timing was different. It was very important for us to always be in compliant with our compliance with our guidelines and, and be in close contact with our health officials with respect to you know, what we wanted to do on our plan. And um, we just feel very blessed that we were able to, um, to implement that, make that work for us. I would just say that in terms of what we normally do, I mean, a traditional summer at Badlands Ministries, we're a year-round camp. Um, we would normally have our staff training in May. We would have 
lots of day camps. Uh, probably uh, half the campers we traditionally would serve would be kind of in a day camp model where we would go out to communities and provide day camp in those communities, spend the night there, you know, for a week and come back. We would have on-site camp maybe eight weeks during the, the summer. This year was different. Uh, so one of the things right off the bat with COVID is we did not feel like we could safely control the environment we were in when we were doing day camps. So it was a big decision for us to, um, to cancel those day camps. That was hard to do, but we felt like it was the right choice. And then even for our start of on-site camp, we did uh, push the start of the, the summer back uh, several weeks, actually three weeks uh, from when we would normally start our staff training and do our thing. So those are some changes that we made. We also went a week deeper into the summer. So when it was all said and done, we ended up cutting one week of programming out of our summer as well. The gist of what we do, the heart of what we do really remain the same. So like most outdoor ministry camps, where uh, we focus on small group ministry, we have cabin groups, um, we have a counselor that stays with those cabin groups throughout the week. And because of our model in particular of us, you know, the idea of a cohort or a cabin group, we were able to um, keep that intact without a whole lot of, you know, disruption or change in terms of what people saw and what the campers were to be able to experience. Some changes, other changes we made, we had all kinds of COVID-19 protocol and guidelines, and that included this idea of these uh, campers staying in their cohort groups. Um, it had, of course, us use, using masks. We had the daily temperature checks. Um, we had, the way we did our meals was different. We had drive-through registration and drive-through pickup. So the more sanit sanitation stations, a lot more cleaning happening. So we definitely had changes that we implemented um, that made this summer possible. But in the end, um, we were blessed that we're part of a group that sent some surveys out to camper parents this summer and, and got some feedback in terms of the camper experience, how the parents felt. And what was shared with us so far was very positive, that the, the camper experience was still very positive, was very good. Um, the parents felt very good about the safety measures we took and how, how things came out. So I would say that it was certainly worthwhile for us to have done this. We, we were nervous. And again, I go back to saying we felt like the best we could do is do everything in our power to lessen the risk. We knew there was certainly still going to be some risk to having summer camp. In our case, uh, we were blessed that we did not have any staff or campers test positive that was reported to us. We did have our staff tested in the, during the summer for COVID-19. We actually had some uh, tests were able to come out to the camp and do that for us. And so and I, when I think about next summer, I would say that we certainly, uh, if the conditions were the same as they were this summer, we would, again, uh, be inclined to uh, offer summer camp as well. And I guess nobody can look into that crystal ball, or crystal ball and see that. It wasn't without challenges. We did have uh, two instances this summer where we actually had uh, staff, we had to keep them away from camp, quarantined, because they were basically in a situation where they were around someone who had COVID symptoms and they were unsure of their status. And so we had to keep them away from camp until we could clear that out, make sure that they tested good. So um, there certainly were challenges for the summer, but it was, um, in our case, at least, we felt like it was it was worth it. So um, I kind of, hopefully I didn't set the tone, just there's some abject rambling, but I tried to cover through some of the talk points that were I thought were important about camp. And I certainly would be happy answering any questions about that now or later format is going to be that um, brief presentation from each camp, and then there's going to be a few minutes allowed for um, any questions that arise from those who are hearing you here in person. And I have a question to start off with. You talked about the sanitation procedures that you used, which were really stepped up from what you normally have 
do you anticipate that even if uh, COVID-19 goes away, even if COVID-19, we have a vaccine or something like that, do you anticipate any of those stepped up procedures will become part of regular protocol, no matter sure. what? Yeah, we, yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, it was kind of eye-opening. So there were places that have sanitizer stations that we didn't at our camp that should have always had sanitizer stations. And so I think for us, that was kind of eye-opening. We ended up, our, our budget's about a $700,000 operating budget. And we realized, I think we spent $6,000 on masks that we had for campers and staff for sanitation equipment and so forth. And so uh, I think that was certainly a worthwhile investment. And I would expect us to, a lot of those procedures that we put in place because of COVID, we recognize them just being good best practice procedures. And so some of those things I anticipate that we would continue to do in years to come. While you're talking about finances, do you expect that you will you will break even, you'll have a surplus, you'll have a deficit on summer camp operations? Yeah, summer camp is, is unique in that sense. So we were blessed. I think the numbers I looked at last, we had about, in terms of how many campers we would normally have on site uh, that spent the night you know, and do our program, uh, we are about 78% of where we were last year. So we had hoped we'd be at 75%. It kind of tracked up at the end and got us about that 78%. And so we, you know, the revenue is less than we anticipated, but we also had less staff. And so just with the component piece of, of summer camp, I feel like we, we would have had a, a break-even summer. Again, where the losses are more uh, pronounced is we, we have probably 10% of our budget in outside user groups coming. So that could be weddings, family reunions, you know, ministry groups coming and using the camp. And uh, the, the lion's share of those postpone, you know, for future times. And so that's where the revenue loss is the most pronounced for us. Um, but in terms of summer camp, you know, it was painful not to do those day camps and be part of those communities that we love so much. But in terms of how that effect is financially, it looks like it's going to be a uh, break even from that standpoint. Thanks, Brent. Okay, are there uh, other questions that others of you who are in the room here have for Brent? Hey, Brent, you had said uh, 78% of what you usually get for um, camper numbers. Approximately how many is that for resident Yeah, camper? well, I'll just break it down real quick. So for us, you know, our camper numbers, we would count, say, 2,000 last year. But of that 2,000, approximately um, 1,000 would be day camp campers. And then maybe five to 600 of that were what we call outreach camps. So normally we do a lot of outreach ministry and have a lot of kids just come out and they're not usually paying, but this is something we kind of do for the day or things like that. And so we ended up having to not do those. And so that, that when you get down to that percentage, uh, you know, it's about 350, let's say, of campers on site spending the night um, doing our program. And so while that's you know, quite shy of where we normally are in terms of being able to minister to any, we felt like that was good. And in terms of the financial piece, that's really the group that um, sustains the camp operating budget too. So that's yep. nice, but yeah, we, we would hope, uh, we look forward to being able to do more again when we can. Any other questions for Brent? Dave Davis from Rainbow Trail. Brent, just curious, uh, as far as your cabins go, did you do some readjustment to number of bodies for for distancing and all that that did i'm just curious how you guys handled that yeah that's a great question when we talked to our health official we we wanted to define the number of campers and staff we could have in a given cohort and she was comfortable for us having 12 in a cohort that that was okay to do and so the trickiest part for us was uh, even during our staff training we had to have 
our counselors uh, formed cohorts groups within that, um, and they could not inter intermingle. So on, you know, there's always a question, what do you do with this staff on the weekend? So they're safe, they're careful at camp, the weekend comes. We felt like it was very important. They call it North Dakota smart here, but they follow protocol and guidelines when they were away for camp. But our one stipulation is if, if you were part of cohort A, uh, you could not intermix with cohort B on the weekends or anytime. You needed to keep that distance at all times. And, and that's simply because of the fact if we had had, um, let's say after week number two, we get a phone call on the weekend uh, that someone in the A cohort tested positive for COVID-19, that cohort would need to be quarantined, but it would still allow us to use cohort B to operate a uh, summer camp if needed. And so that was maybe the biggest challenge for us was to keep those cohorts separate and make it through the summer in, in that capacity. But in terms of actual numbers, um, we did spread things out quite a bit. We did everything time we could do something outside this year. We did it outside instead of inside. So we did we change some of the camp games that we did. So we did a lot of those things. But in terms of actual uh, cohort numbers, our local health official was comfortable with us having, you know, numbers of 12 or less in a cohort. I have a feeling that there was a resurgence and doubling down on small group camping throughout much of the outdoor ministry world. Yeah. So Brent, um, how did you, I'm not sure what the right word here, enforce or police your weekends with your summer staff on making sure they didn't cross those boundaries? Yeah, I'm, that's a great question. We had talked about that. At the start of the summer, we have a covenant. And so in, that, in a normal covenant, we have them sign something that, that again, reemphasizes their focus on why they're at camp and they're serving this summer. Um, and part of that has to do with, you know, how they spend their time on the weekends. And so the truth is we expected them to honor their covenant and promise they made to us. The, the thing that I was most impressed with is uh, the two instances when we had staff um, really call us with an issue. It really wasn't anything that they had particularly caused. They, they weren't reckless. Uh, one of the cases was one of the guy's uh, fiance had been to a gathering and one of the girls tested positive and he had been around his fiance for the weekend. That was great just to be able to trust the staff to, to understand that they, they got it. They understood that if we were going to be able to do ministry this summer, there had to be some sacrifices on their part. And so, Clark, we felt really good about them doing that. There's no way I know how perfect they were, but we do know that we felt like they were doing a good job at that. Thanks, Brent. I'm going to declare round one being concluded. Thank you, Brent. And we're so glad that things worked out as well as they did for everybody at Badlands this summer. Um, our great news. We're now going to move uh, to Jesse Weiss, who is the executive director of Amnicon, which is up in the northwestern corner of Wisconsin. Beautiful camp, lots of waterfront. And um, Jesse, uh, tell us about your experience this summer. Yeah, thanks, Don. You know, I think the place to start with Amnicon is that we are um, just by nature, not what you would consider traditional uh, residential summer camps. So that certainly uh, puts us in a, a different situation and the ability to be a little bit more flexible when it comes to COVID-19 uh, and the pandemic that we find ourselves in. Uh, so Amnicon, uh, we are almost exclusively uh, an off-site wilderness adventure camp. So uh, typically groups of junior high or senior high are coming together from a congregation or an organization. They're coming uh, up to camp. They're spending um, a night on our base camp on the shores of Lake Superior. 
And then they are heading out for a week-long canoe trip in the lakes and rivers of northern Wisconsin, the Upper Peninsula, or out on Lake Superior. And then they come back to us for a night um, at the end of their trip before they head home the next day. So within our summer, kind of traditional summer programming, 95% of what we already do pre-COVID is outside and is in groups of uh, 10 or less. So I guess that just gave us confidence heading into the summer that um, ultimately there's going to be very few adjustments that were going to be, na- be need to be made within what we do in order to, um, to be able to welcome uh, groups and participants um, this summer. Uh, we also do uh, rental retreats throughout the summer as far as um, our lodge and um, our tent cabin village over uh, out on Lake Superior. And um, we also have personal hermitage retreat cabins. We uh, yeah didn't didn't uh, offer any of the the larger group retreating this summer. Canceled all that. Um, our hermitage cabins, our personal retreat cabins, um, were absolutely packed. Um, with those just being a good option for um, singles and couples to get away um, into the woods and find safe space, um, and lots of cleaning and all that good stuff in between guests. But um, we um, we just went gangbusters uh, with those <laughs> this summer. Um, so that was, uh, certainly beneficial, but yeah, as far as our, our traditional tripping summer, uh, programming, um, the changes that we did have to make, uh, we did shorten our season staff, uh, training started a week late. We did our first week of staff training online, uh, while we asked our staff to self quarantine at home. And then they came in for staff training. Uh, the first week of staff training, we did uh, a really good job of keeping everybody separate um, as far as no shared indoor space, uh, masks, all that good stuff to kind of form that um, um, our staff as, a, as an isolated family unit, if you will. And then after those two weeks, we felt pretty comfortable throughout the rest of staff training with having them interact uh, normally as they would in a typical summer. But yeah, we, we had a shortened season. Uh, we uh, ended up offering um, trips for about a, a third of the amount of groups that we normally would. Um, and so most of our congregations and our organizations decided not to come, uh, which we totally understand. So we ended up doing 11 trips out of a normal uh, 25 to 30 this summer. Biggest sort of protocol changes for us, we did not eat any meals in the dining hall on base camp. So um, typically when our groups are on base camp, they're eating their meals in the dining hall. We pushed everything outside there. We did not have any shared sleeping spaces this summer uh, for anybody. So every staff member had their own individual sleeping space throughout the entirety of the summer. And then we provided each uh, camper or trip participant with uh, their own individual hammock with a rain fly and a bug net attached, or if there were certain people not uh, comfortable in a hammock, we provided them their own tent. So um, unless uh, two campers were related or it was a family um, unit together, um, those were the only people sharing any sort of sleeping space this summer. Otherwise, everybody had their own the biggest challenge for us was transportation because typically our groups are driving up together uh, two and a half hours from uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul to our base camp in a van together. And then uh, we typically stuff them in a van 
uh, with all their gear in order to drive them out to the trailhead. Some groups we offered the opportunity that uh, parents could drive kids individually and we would just meet them at the trailhead uh, instead of coming to base camp. And we would do all the normal stuff. We would uh, just do it um, on trail um, instead of doing all of our, our planning and prep work um, at base camp. Uh, and so we did have a congregation or two take us up on that. Others decided uh, since they were only bringing six or seven uh, campers that um, they felt comfortable um, in the van scenario, um, they did masks, uh, windows open um, as much as possible. And then within our vans, we uh, put up plastic barriers in between the drivers. Uh, so our staff always drive. So plastic barriers between the driver and the, the passenger section of the 15 passenger van. So we felt pretty comfortable in that transportation um, um, situation. So yeah, it was different, um, not entirely different, but different enough that uh, there were there was some awkwardness and some uh, moments of um, anxiety for sure um, as we were planning um, and preparing to 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 do summer. You know, ultimately um, within our, our our protocols and all that sort of stuff, we didn't we didn't really have any pushback from staff or from campers um, or from parents. People were just grateful <laughs> this summer. Uh, to be able to do something. We actually saw some cool moments where uh, our, our trips have always been open to both youth and adults, but this year we had uh, some some of our congregations, uh, more adults wanted to come along um, because it was the only opportunity that they would have to have a quote-unquote vacation um, or trip with their kids this summer. So some of our groups were half adults, half kids, uh, which is just cool uh, to be able to provide that experience for um, a wide range of people because especially this summer, um, everybody, everybody needed that. Ultimately, looking back on the summer, I would say it was certainly worthwhile uh, to be able to, to run summer camp, summer programming as we normally do. Back in May, I had my doubts. <laughs> um, there was just a huge amount of anxiety about whether this is the, was the, is going to be the right decision. Um, I will also say in my however many years, 10, 12 years of being a part of LOM, this was the loneliest I have ever felt from a professional standpoint because majority of the other camps and um, uh, around us in the Midwest here were, were closing down. We're not running traditional programming and it just felt we were out there on our own. And that was scary <laughs> to, uh, uh, and, and there was a lot of doubt in my mind. Uh, so it was certainly hard. But I would say um, we were certainly affirmed in our decision. Uh, again, um, the gratitude expressed by our campers, by our adult leaders, by our parents, um, certainly affirmed our decision this summer. Uh, the gratitude expressed by our staff uh, that they didn't have to go sit at home all summer, that they got to learn and grow and be outside this summer, that affirmed our decision. And I think uh, our donors and our com community of supporters certainly affirmed our decision. We had a great response uh, donation-wise, um, but also just words of encouragement um, from our community um, that affirmed all those decisions. So yeah, we are already, uh, we are planning for 2021 to be a co another COVID summer. We are planning as if it's going to be, and we are already promoting, we already have groups booked for 2021. 
Uh, we hope that we can be a source of constants and constant and confidence for groups, um, especially with ELCA youth gathering being postponed. Uh, we can hope we can be a, a, an opportunity that uh, congregations and organizations can can count on for 2021. So yeah, we're looking forward to doing this again, right? <laughs> Jesse, um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the postponement of the youth gathering in 2021 because on September 12th, uh, the youth gathering staff is sending to all like uh, 1,800 youth groups that would have been at the youth gathering. They're sending the LOM resource uh, journeys for youth. Mm. So make sure everybody that you update your journeys listing add to it if you want, because there's going to be an awful lot of those youth groups looking for destinations in next summer. The youth gathering staff is really helping us out by advocating and pushing for groups to use LOM camps in in their thing. Jesse, I've got um, a question. You talked about, uh, you know, the problem of transportation. What do you call your big canoes that you do the canoe trips on Lake Superior? Are those Voyager canoes? Yeah, Voyager canoes or more specifically Montreal canoes. Yeah. So on the trips themselves, did the participants wear masks or how how did that work? Yeah, we did. We we actually didn't do any of the big canoe trips. So the Montreal canoe is a 34 foot canoe that can fit up to 14 people in, and you're sitting pretty close to close side by side. Yeah. So uh, we transferred all those programs to traditional tandem canoes, which are either 16 or 17 feet long. So by nature, those are those are distanced. Jesse, I'm really glad to hear that it worked out well for you. Really glad to hear that your donors um, have responded well. And oh, I have another question for you, though. You talked about the sense of loneliness. In the LOM network, out of 119 sites, only 20 sites did any kind of traditional summer camp that they would normally do. As you interacted with other camp directors, did you get in any instance a sense of... um, being judged for taking a bigger chance that you sh- than you should have or anything like that? If I did, I probably put that on myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think within our, our LOM Zoom calls this spring, those large groups, I think it was pretty clear among amongst the masses that it was, you know, each camp has to make their own call as far as what's going to make them strongest in this. And so you know, pretty early on, we decided that all things considered, the strongest, the way we were going to come out of this COVID summer strongest is by committing to hiring our summer staff. So we did that first. We made that commitment no matter what. And then we were able to just plan and prepare um, knowing that we had those staff in place. And and it wasn't actually until late May that we decided that um, we, we were going to actually do um, trips this summer, you know. So I think LOM uh, amongst the directors, you know, there was just a lot of conversation just about doing what's best for you and being okay with that and trusting in that because only you know your situation and we're each, each one of us is in a unique spot. I am so relieved to hear that. And 
uh, it's what we all would hope for and what we would anticipate in LOM. And so to hear you affirm that uh, you received support and encouragement because that was so clear throughout this whole thing as it continues. Everybody is in a different situation, different circumstance, and everybody had to make decisions on their own. And at the same time, there was a great deal of, uh, of sense of support that in spite of the fact that each of us has a unique situation, we could all be helpful to each other at the same time. So um, good, thank you. The next uh, place we're gonna go is to Iowa. And that's Camp Iwalu up in the northeastern corner of Iowa, not too far from Dubuque. And we have with us co-program director Dana Isaacson and executive director Clark Baldwin. You have the floor. Well, we are I kind of echo a little bit of what Brent said as far as the summer is feeling blessed. Instead of saying lucky, I'll say blessed uh, that we got through the summer without any any uh, COVID infections, at least that we're aware of. Um, typically, our summer is about 1,500 campers, eight weeks of camp. Start with staff training on Memorial Day and um, have a mix of day camps, resident camps, uh, some out trips, a lot of pastors and volunteers on site typically, somewhere around 100 person family camps a couple weekends, and then some field trips and so forth. So it was obviously very different from that this year. Um, we started three weeks late. Um, we did, normally we have a break week on the 4th of July week. This year that ended up being our first week of camp. So we did still end up having six weeks of residence camp, but we um, canceled all of our out trip camps, all of our day camps, really limited our on-site volunteers. We required a two-week at-home um, self-assessment with temperature checks on a form that they had to bring with them to registration. I always try to hire people that work hard and make me look good. So I'm actually going to let Dana talk more about our summer and, and some of the changes we did. So um, other than that, I suffered from severe hair loss with all the stress and wondering if we'd made the right call, but I survived. So Dana, go ahead. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was that two-week temperature and symptom check. That was something that we required of all of our campers. Um, and it went better than I thought it would. For the most part, they remembered to do it and bring it with them. So that was really good. I think that was key to having healthy campers on site. Um, we did a lot of hand washing, um, a lot of disinfecting. Um, way more disinfecting than I think we would ever continue in the future. I mean, maybe next summer, but um, a lot of that. We separated our swim times, so there was only one program doing swim swimming at a time. Um, in addition, we kept our program areas separate because we have a bigger property. We could separate each age group into their own area, so they we tried not to have them interact too much. So uh, meals um, were we tried to do more outdoor well outdoor meals at the dining hall. Um, we also have another shelter where we do a lot of meals. 
and then a lot of cookouts, trail lunches, those sorts of things. So we tried to separate it. So we had the, a smaller amount of people at meals as, as much as possible. Um, we required masks to be worn um, inside and um, when singing outside. So we only sang outside. And we said masks if they um, couldn't be socially distanced. I think that one was the hardest for um, campers and staff to follow. Um, but I think that was important too, is to do the masks. Um, we changed our Sunday night campfire and our Wednesday night program to be not all camp. Um, that was really hard for the staff to um, give up some of those traditions, but we came up with some alternatives that were also very meaningful. And we did do one canoe trip, I guess one um, out trip, but it's a local one where they backpack um, to the state park nearby and then do some canoeing. So it's all very local. And yeah, and we did have fewer campers. So we had um, only 455 campers. Um, we didn't limit that. That was just self-selecting. So less campers or people decided not to come. And we tried to really be open to them and, and, and say, you know, that's totally fine. We understand um, if you can't come to camp or you don't feel comfortable coming to camp. And then asked for donations and things like that. And I don't know where the numbers came out in that, but we had a lot of a lot of people donate their registration fees, which was really wonderful um, and a lot of support in that way. I think overall, it just, it went really well. Our campers didn't, in, our, in the evals that we have gotten back so far, most of them didn't even mention any of the restrictions or the, and any of the things that we, we put into place. I really thought we'd get a lot in the, like, what would you change about camp? And they didn't really write about that, which I think is pretty telling. They still had a really meaningful experience at camp. And um, the staff also thought so. They were really unsure at, at the beginning with, you know, doing things differently, if it would be the same experience. And I think having that opportunity to be able to come to camp was huge um, for campers. And um, our parents continually thanked us for um, giving them the opportunity to send their kids to camp and also um, for all the procedures we put into place. So that was really encouraging too, that we didn't get a lot of pushback for the things that we did. It was nice to have, um, we hired 41 staff, we usually hire closer to 60, um, but we had enough extra staff so that, I mean, any um, sickness at all, we just um, sent them home or quarantined them, whatever we could do. Um, everybody tested negative in the end, but we were really careful about that, that they were out of cabins. And yeah, even one of our staff said this summer, that she thought this was maybe one of the best summers, which was really surprising for me to hear, just given that they were so nervous at the beginning and just because they weren't able to travel or go away from camp as much as they, they're used to, that they felt um, that they grew closer together as a community because there was more community um, oriented things like on the weekends and just being more on site. So that was really great to hear. Uh, yeah, overall things that we would change. I mean, I think those, um, having even smaller cohorts. Um, they were mostly by program area, so it was under probably 20 most of the time um, campers, but they were still in their cabin groups and trying to keep some distance between those groups as well. And um, the cleaning, doing some more cleaning um, in the future as well. And I think the communication piece was really important, communicating where you're at with parents through all the different, uh, all the different ways. Um, 
that was really important. And probably one of the hardest things with staff at the beginning is just knowing what, what our procedures were going to be. And this was also my first summer as program director. And so also knowing how to enforce that or like all the different ways, implications that um, the procedures would fit into the camp life. Cause you just can't think of every situation. And so there was a lot of like, well, what about in this situation? And so those are probably the hardest things is leading when you don't have all the answers. And I think the staff did pretty well with that and being understanding about that. You know, we did a, a set of written mitigation standards that ended up being four or five pages long, uh, which we can share if anybody wants. I'm guessing you all did your own, but, um, you know, we followed the ACA guidelines on that, that they developed earlier in the year and then wrote our own. A real benefit for us was um, our county public health nurses. Uh, I know both of them and they were really, really helpful in helping us set up some of that stuff. And then also just for ongoing communication and support. But the front end of this was really difficult. Um, like Dana said, just kind of a lack of guidelines and trying to invent all of these mitigations with what seemed to be like an ever-changing set of of guidelines. But yeah, I feel good with the summer. We've had great responses. Even I've had several summer staff that have personally thanked me for opening and letting them come back, especially those who's, who knew it was going to be their last year, being able to come back and finish their camping career, if you will, with us. That was really important to them. And our support from our constituency was tremendous. Um, out of our 41 staff that we hired, we've had full, we did a, a sponsor a summer staff campaign and, and we raised, so far we raised 84,000 with that, which is a really good appeal for us. So great support from the constituency too. That's that's fantastic support, Dana. I'm are just going back. You know, I know you had been a whole number of years the program director at Camp Chetek, and then this summer was your first one as program director at Iwalu. It's challenging enough uh, in your first summer or two in a, a new situation, and then you add the COVID nineteen on top of all of that, and. Um, and you referred, you know, a lot of traditions that camp that some of the returning staff loved and all that kind of thing. And I'm sure many campers that had to be sacrificed. And at the same time, new traditions. Do you think there's new traditions that sprang up that will continue on because um, they were so well received because of the new way of having to do things? Um, I, I actually don't know if they will. I think they ended up liking some of the things um, in the end, but I don't know if anything will really take the place of an all camp campfire on Sunday night with all camp being yeah. together. So, I mean, that was a pretty important one. And on Wednesday nights, traditionally, we have some sort of activity, a musical um, price block or something like that. And then um, prayer, um, praying for campers and praying for one another, one another. And that was just done in program areas or in, or in cabin groups, um, in individual program areas. I think they still found meaning in the things that we did, 
but those traditions are pretty big ones that are pretty meaningful. So I think we will go back to those. Um, but it was it was really um, gratifying that all their worries about it not being meaningful or not being as good of a summer, um, they really felt that it, it was a good summer. And I think even maybe more meaningful to some of the campers because this is the only opportunity they had to be away from home. And so it kind of heightened the experience. So overall, overall good though. Other questions for Clark and Dana? Go ahead, Brent. I was just curious too, if, um, did you all have any, you mentioned having enough staff that you had the flexibility to be real careful in terms of um, quarantining them and working with them. Did you have close calls this summer as well in terms of a staff maybe reported that they were in contact with someone who may have been, did you have some scares like that through your summer? Uh, I don't recall any of those. What we did have were, you know, just some illnesses where people had some symptoms. So we isolated them and then wouldn't let them back without uh, being tested. And so it was more of that. We did have four or five campers too that the parents would call us and say, our kid was showing some symptoms and we're going to have them tested. And they were gracious enough to let us know that but they were all, everything was negative we didn't have any positives so I did have Brent I take that back I did have a, two instances of where a parent called and said one in spe specifically was our oldest son was exposed and is self-quarantining in the in the basement can we send our other son to camp and I said regrettably no so to my knowledge, we didn't have anybody who came that was potentially exposed, but we did have a couple that we turned away that had potential exposure of campers. So, Any other questions? All right, then we're going to move down the road a bit to a little bit south of Iwalu to Camp Shalom. And we have with us from Camp Shalom, Tom Bly, the executive director, and Ben Carlson, the program director. So, Tom and Ben, you have the floor. Well, we're going to bounce back and forth between your bullet points, Don. Uh, take turns because at Camp Shalom, our, Ben and my perspectives are very different. I do not live on site. And this year, I basically avoided going up there because I would have been uh, the infection from outside. Um, I'd like to congratulate the first three camps for having a COVID-free summer. We were not so blessed, so we have some different views. Uh, but nonetheless, we were blessed in many ways this summer, um, simply by being able to have camp. So our camp is about 311 acres. Generally, we have about 1,000 um, summer campers, resident campers come through two separate program areas, a central dining area that we use. And then we utilize buses to move kids to um, a local YMCA pool because we do not have one on site. And then the Makokota Caves are about uh, three miles apart or three miles away. So weekends we do family camp and different activities. But the other thing that um, we have is uh, we do a week of adults with disabilities. So I would make one uh, comment before Ben says anything is, you know, you guys can see Iowa. Last Wednesday, I looked at people and said, I'm so happy we had this storm. People quit talking about the virus. So Ben, 
we have, uh, like Tom said, we've got two main program areas. We keep uh, the elementary kids and the middle school kids separate. We do most of our activities in individual cabin groups, but then typically we also have an all camp activity after dinner where the whole camp gets together. And our normal summers, we would have lots of intermingling between cabin groups at large activities, whether it's the after dinner game or the swimming pool or something else. Um, and then we do a lot of offsite trips. It's the, the buses to the pool and it's vans for some of the older kids in their trips. Um, and we had to change a lot of that this summer. But things we changed this summer, um, our check-in procedures, we used to hold them inside. We held them outside, um, assigned times for people to show up. And it actually um, turned out to be much more effective, much more enjoyable. Um, and we wondered why for 40 years it wasn't done that way. So no closing worship, which was hard for everybody, parents, campers, and uh, staff, myself. We rented a trailer, a small construction site office trailer to serve as our health center because we wanted um, something separate from our building. So as we're evaluating kids, trying to figure out what's going on with them, that we don't have them in with everybody else. And then we couldn't go to the pool or go caving because again, we did away with the buses for this summer. The biggest one for on-site, just uh, every moment of every day, we were uh, trying to keep cabin groups from intermingling and emphasizing the different programs staying separate from each other and being as distant as possible. And so we would still gather for some large group activities, but um, we actually had some of our cabin groups uh, make like a circle out of retired rope that they could throw around their cabin so that everyone knew to stay out of their circle and they knew to stay in it. And that was one of the, the silly ways, I guess, we help keep people separate. We also normally in a like a regular summer, we have support staff intermingling and interacting with kids all day. And uh, this summer, we just assigned each support staff one group of kids for the whole week and really tried to minimize any other contact that they had with uh, other groups of kids. We did a lot of things different at mealtimes um, without going into detail on all the specifics uh, the big one was we had a self-serve self salad bar that we always used in the past. And uh, this year we had the staff serve everything. And that's something that we'll probably continue to do going forward just because um, I think it's a, a pretty uh, nonsense way to spread germs, whether there's COVID or not. We ended camp on Thursday evening instead of Friday morning so that we had time to clean camp and also to give staff some time to mentally recover. I think that was really beneficial for, for both of those reasons. We had daily temperature checks for everyone on site twice a day. Um, obviously, we sent staff home at the first sign of illness, uh, with the exception of uh, possible dehydration or heat exhaustion. Um, same with the campers. We ended up sending quite a few people home just as a precaution. Um, and then uh, one of the, the things that was kind of an afterthought, we actually scheduled daily shower times for every group of kids to help promote better hygiene at camp. And they loved it. Uh, the older kids especially, a lot of them wrote on their evals, uh, please continue to do scheduled shower times so that we can get the bathroom to ourselves. Thank you. <laughs> well, we couldn't dip them in the pool to chlorinate them, so we had to get them cleaned somehow. One of the questions was, how did it feel different? And I would have to tell you, for me, I was there very little. I'd show up on Sundays for an hour or two to help with check-in a little bit, but unless I needed to run something up to camp or something came up, um, I simply wasn't there. I missed the closing worship. Uh, being a part of that. I miss the staff interaction. You know, there's some I never even learned their names because I just wasn't there and I wasn't getting to know them and meet them. I miss bus songs. The last few years I've driven the bus and I just, 
you know, I had no idea there were purple hippopotamuses until I did that. But uh, like Clark, I think uh, it was stressful. I woke up most mornings about 3.30 and laid there and thought about the virus and just waited for the bug to appear. For us up at camp, it was uh, surprisingly not as different as we originally expected it to be. And part of the reason I say that is we found ways to modify a lot of our, our favorite activities and camp traditions rather than getting rid of them altogether. And the summer staff were very creative in helping us figure out how to, to make those things work. And so like a small example is we originally thought there's no way we would be able to play a game like capture the flag. Um, but the staff came up with a way where uh, you could tag somebody without touching them. And it was, we rolled up a bunch of socks so that um, they could throw socks at each other from six feet away. So that worked out. To echo what Iwalu said, uh, camper feedback was very positive this summer. Um, some of them made comments about wishing we didn't have to be socially distant or they missed their friends in the other cabins because they didn't get to interact. Most of the kids, maybe even the vast majority, said they were just glad that they still got to come to camp and also that it still felt like Camp Shalom. Um, so the overall sentiment was just very grateful that they had the opportunity. Um, and uh, another surprise to me, the kids were much better at adhering to our coronavirus procedures than I expected them to be. The kids really were uh, by and large, not problematic. They were very respectful of our procedures. If they rolled their eyes, they still followed them. Um, and so I, I was really proud of our campers for, for doing that. With the staff, they obviously had a lot more things to watch out for, keeping their uh, groups socially distant, reminding their kids to use hand sanitizer and bring their masks everywhere. Um, we did require everyone who was inside to wear a mask, except for in their uh, individual cabins. Uh, there was just a lot of stuff like that. I think the biggest struggle for the staff was staying distant from each other. The general attitude, no matter how many times I tried to, to change it, I think was some version of, I feel fine, therefore it's not a big deal if I'm close to other staff members who feel fine, or um, I already was close to this person once this week, so it's not a big deal if I'm close to this person again. And so I, I had to battle that all summer. That was just something that was difficult to get the staff to, to change their mindset. For me personally, I think it felt very much the same um, just because I, I had all my, my regular duties plus coronavirus stuff, um, but I already am someone that kind of gets trapped in my office on a day-to-day -day basis, and that was <laughs> certainly no different this summer. Ben, I'm going to um, butt in here because I found your comment about the campers being very, very good about the protocols. That just struck a chord in me because for so many people who work with kids, one of the one of the the scariest things about it is not being able to envision kids uh, really taking care with the protocols. And we hear that a lot about colleges going back uh, into session. You know, how are we going to get college kids to socially distance and wear masks and and not have big parties and stuff like that? Did you find the same? care with the protocols from your staff as well? So I want to be clear that our staff did a, a very good job overall, and I, I'm proud of the job that they did, but it was more difficult with the staff than the campers. When I had to use my program director voice, as I like to call it, <laughs> when I had to use my program director voice this summer, it was on the staff. It was not on the campers. And uh, So uh, do you feel like that's an age group characteristic? I still am not quite sure what to make of it. Um, I think for, for Camp Shalom specifically, 
and I don't know if this would be true of other college students, but for Camp Shalom specifically, I think it was just uh, uh, an attitude that um, as long as I feel fine, then everything else is fine. Um, I don't know if it really clicked with staff that um, just because you feel fine doesn't mean that you're, you don't have it or that you're not uh, carrying germs. And so I had to keep telling staff, act like you are sick and act like the people around you are sick and behave accordingly. Um, behave like you're, you're not going to spread your germs to them or that you don't want to get their germs. We made it happen. And I, I think the staff overall did a very good job, but it, it was a battle. It was. Uh, you went all summer without any COVID positive uh, tests. And then all of a sudden last week at camp, there was some uh, positive COVID tests. And um, it wasn't large scale or anything like that. And I, I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot about that, but I'm wondering what your reflection on that is. And um, do you feel like there was anything inherent in the summer camp uh, experience that caused for you to end up with a couple of COVID-19 cases? So the, the funny thing about us ending up with some COVID cases at the end of the summer is I felt like we, we had improved our procedures over the course of the summer to the point by our last week that I was surprised that we had cases. If we had gotten cases during our first couple weeks, uh, I would have been the least surprised person out of anybody. But by the end of the summer, I felt like the staff had really stepped up and they'd really started to buy in and they really started to get it. And so then when we finally got a couple of positive cases. Um, the first case in particular, he had no idea how he got it, and I have no idea how he got it. Um, it was just, however it happened, it happened. Um, I don't think it was it was that staff member's fault whatsoever. I don't think he put himself in any bad situations. He just got sick. And we did have some other staff members over the course of the summer who became ill with things other than COVID. And obviously, we sent them home and had them get tested and quarantine before they could come back. But uh, yeah, by the time we actually got it, I, I really didn't feel like it was because of any any lack of effort on our part. I think the biggest part of it is we never went into this, Don, expecting to go all summer without it. And we discussed, you know, a good friend of mine um, said, you just have to have the courage to pull the plug. And Ben and I talked about that, you know, on a weekly basis, where are we at on this? And we were prepared to pull the plug. Well, we really didn't get our first positive result until the Wednesday night preceding our last night of camp. Wow. So we sort of worked our way through that to close camp up. Anybody thinks they can do this anymore without, I mean, congratulations to three camps prior to us, but you're going to get it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And it's clear that everybody is showing the same due diligence as far as taking care and following the protocols and doing what the, the the public health people say we should be doing and that whole kind of thing. So we had actually worked with Iwalu and a YMCA camp Don to put plans together, exchanged ideas, we met and then independently we all met our own county health people and worked with them, brought them on site. So there was a lot of effort put into it. But the reality of it is the day one child who's asymptomatic, and that is where the biggest problem will come in, is people walking in that are asymptomatic. You know, yeah. in the end, we tested four staff members out who were asymptomatic after camp. How do you, how do you stop that? 
And that's the really frustrating thing about this COVID-19 is the asymptomatic stuff with it. And um, you, you have no clue who has it and who doesn't have it. I could have it now and not know it until three days from now. I don't know. Yeah. Anybody else want to um, ask any questions from Tom and Ben? Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Uh, Dana, you had a question for them. Well, it's actually not a question, but a comment. I think being from in Iowa, I think that just changed, or depending on where you're from, that really does make a difference and whether or not you opened or not, but also just the mentality of people. And so I think with the staff, it was harder for them when they first got to camp because it there are very few regulations in Iowa when we started. And so that was huge too, because it, it wasn't really a reality for them. And so coming to camp and being faced with, no, you're actually gonna have to wear a mask was huge. So I just like to echo what, echo what Ben was saying about Convincing the staff about it, that was probably one of the, the challenging pieces and, and figuring out all those procedures, just because there was so little guidance in Iowa. And it's just a different, a different story than some places. Um, one comment to make is I'm still in awe of the parents, even those who canceled their kids from coming to camp this summer for one reason or another. You know, they couldn't take the risk because professionally, uh, family systems or whatever situations these parents all thanked us for doing what we do and donate, like uh, Dana had said, donated their kids camper fees. Um, the parents response was remarkable. Four of the um, staff members who tested positive, three of them, their parents are on my board and you know what they said? We wouldn't change a thing. Thank you for having camp. So. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tom and Ben for sharing from your experience. And we now go to the final camp on our schedule for today. And that is Rainbow Trail in Colorado. We have Dave Javis, the executive director, and Cam Regenider. Take it away, please. Okay, man, it's, uh, these are great stories to hear too. Um, and man, I'm gonna go back to Brent. We feel super blessed and that by the grace of God, uh, we're, we're living to the 23rd. That's our two weeks out from our staff leaving to call it clean, but uh, we're feeling pretty good. Uh, we'll talk, talk more about that in a minute. But I probably have worked more than I've ever worked. I think you guys would say that, uh, but I think the reward has been amazing for the people that were able to participate in, in our program. So a normal summer for us uh, is typically nine full weeks of camp, seven of those being youth, two being family camp, usually around 1,300 campers on site, another 1,500 through day camp at 35 different day camps, 100 through CAM's Bridging Borders program, our mission-based program, and, and then another 150 through our Compass Points backpack program. So in all, about close to 3,000 campers normally and normally about 65 summer staff along with full-time staff that we would have on board. Uh, so what was, what was different this summer? Our first four weeks of camp were online, uh, similar to somebody else's story. I think it was maybe Jesse that you know, brought staff in a week later. We did a week of online training, but uh, brought them in, found that there was, Colorado allowed us to have cohorts of 12 going in and then moved to 25. 
um, as we got deeper into the summer, which is when we started online or on-site camp. But the first four weeks were, were actually really critical. We did all of our training. Uh, we brought in uh, a staff alumni that was a, a videographer, a professional videographer, and we, we probably have over 500 hours of really good video of everything we do, worships, uh, songs, graces, everything that we use for our online camp uh, for those first first weeks uh, that were part of that. So this this year, four weeks uh, of online camp, then weeks five to nine, we had on-site. Uh, we had no in-person day camps. Uh, we did 23 online day camps. That went through the whole summer. That was probably the hardest part of what we did because once we finally moved to on-site, uh, those guys were still on site with us and trying to, to do online day camp down in the basement while everybody else was doing regular camp. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, we, and we had four compass points, backpack trips. Those were all of our open sign-up trips. All our charter groups canceled and did not come, but the four open weeks all happened and were all excellent uh, weeks. Uh, we usually do a week down in Southern New Mexico uh, for the kids that are, our Senate is enormous. That's uh, 12 hours away from us. Uh, that did not happen this year. And then uh, we normally have rafting uh, with our older kid weeks. And uh, we eliminated that. We thought we are just asking for inviting things into camp, like sending people out and bringing them back in. So a couple of, I think, key things for us that were different. Um, staff, uh, we, we talked to them back in April. Um, and really gave them a chance to opt out at that point. But we said, one of the things you're agreeing to is that you will not leave site this summer. So our staff never left site this summer, other than uh, when they were on a day camp team. Uh, my house, uh, which is, sits empty during the summer, and Daniel Kirschbaum's house, uh, those were safe zones. And so we'd allow them to have kind of like a, a night, a day out where they do day camp from our uh, online from our house uh, but they could sit in the backyard they could uh, order food and, and just be in a different space um, the other thing we wrapped into that we did uh, some trail maintenance uh, backpack trips that were staff only forest service loved it and it gave our staff a chance to just be away uh, from being in that environment so we got a little pushback, but not much. Uh, and actually, I think our staff was closer because I mean, we ended up having volleyball tournaments on weekends and things like that, that and things that we normally did off-site, we, uh, we, we did on-site uh, staff weekends. And uh, I think our staff became closer because of all that. We took a strategy, came out of the ACA guide, guide, uh, guidebook, uh, field guide for all this, and a strategy of uh, entry-exit strategy to every every single thing we did so we started back in april and just started we created a, a google doc and just put every single thing we did and if somebody would mention something we go oh that's not in there put it in there we wrote protocols for every single one of those uh, with basically an entry exit strategy um, because basically if you sanitize going in sanitize equipment you use in it anybody else that joins sanitizes before they can play or whatever and then when you're done everybody sanitize washes hands sanitizes out somewhere in that line you, you're going to break the chain uh if, if you do that every single time as the consistency that, that we found uh, because of that we had 40 
I think it's, we ended up with 40 sanitation stations around yep. our site. We had cloth chairs in our dining hall and we put those away for the summer and uh, used plastic chairs from the school in town. They had orange chairs that we went, man, these are our COVID orange. Uh, so every station, uh, those sanitizers sat on an orange chair. So uh, you, you knew where to look for that and uh, became everybody's job to make sure those got refilled daily and used. Normally we, uh, like I said, we bring in about uh, 65 summer staff. We ended up with 59 that, that we brought in. And that was part of, that was decision uh, much like Jesse said, uh, decision made early. They said we're going to we're going to hire these guys, we're going to pay them, and we're going to see what the summer plays out to be. Um, as we said, those first four weeks we did online camp before we had online or on-site uh, people as well. I think one of the keys to our summer was that we had one nurse for the whole summer, and she she was unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, in fact, she said she wants to come back next year. That's how good a summer she had. Uh, but she really looked at those ACA, uh, the field guide, which had good, better, best practices. And she said, we're going to live at best practice. We're not going to even think about be being at less than best uh, and, and kind of drove that bus the whole way. And because of that, it felt like we really, really hit, hit that part um, solid. Uh, one of the things that we had to do midsummer when, when we decided to go live uh, we, our staff had been together uh, seven weeks, six, seven weeks almost. Uh, so the county had declared them a family, that they were one cohort, one group. They could do everything together. They didn't have to mask around each other. And so we really had, we called it the Come to Jesus meeting, where we sat everybody down on, on the mall in the middle of camp and said, we're going to go, if we're going to go live next week, we need to know that you're going to go with us. And we also need to know that you're ready to put those masks back on because that's the only way we're going to be able to do this. And we used uh, uh, the church mutual waiver form as kind of the, the, the signing up for the second half of summer. We said, everybody turn one in. If you don't sign it, we fully get it. And thanks for the summer that you give given us and, uh, and no hard feelings, but everybody signed up, decided to stay and rode the whole summer with us. We did temp checks on everybody two weeks before they came in uh, with everybody, not just staff and campers, but adult leaders, anybody that was coming in uh, two weeks before they came and then temps every single day. Uh, at one point, we had talked about giving uh, our, our senior counselors, the ones that in charge of a group, uh, to do their group uh, of their village. And as we lived into it, our nurse said, I want to do everybody every single day. Because I'm not just getting a temp check, I'm getting a, a visual health check on every single person. Um, I think because of that, between all the ones that were done beforehand and the ones she did on site, uh, she recorded close to 14,000 temperatures this summer. But I think the visuals that she uh, she got, we we had three times that somebody's temperature the whole summer spiked. We had no staff illness, which is a first. We always have something that kind of runs through part of your staff at least. Uh, we didn't have any of that this year. Uh, one, of the, one of the gifts that we got out of this that um, I got to talk to the guy that designed it and what he wants to do with it. But, uh, he works for Google and he designed Google Form for us that, that we sent the link out to every kid every day through, through an online presence. And uh, 
and they, they'd click it. It would bring up their, their number, their line. They'd put in their temperature and their health condition and then submit. And what that form did is if anybody marked anything, uh, temperature 100 or above, or anything other than normal uh, health, it turned them red, moved them to the top of that day. So the nurse didn't have to go through 100 health checks. She just had to look at that bunch that was at the top uh, that were the abnormal ones. And then if we needed to call, we could. Um, it's an amazing tool. We're still using it with our staff right now as uh, we're trying to finish up these last days of them being home. Oh, let's see, a few other things I'm gonna hand it over to Cam. Uh, we wore masks singing with singing and only sang outside and in any large group settings. We also did plated meals. I think that's what you guys talked about as well, uh, that were uh, staff served um, uh, every, every day. That, that was probably the hardest transition for us. We're so used to having family style that uh, that piece was a little bit different. All our worships were outside. The guys at Shalom, you referred to something that, uh, that, that we uh, fully implemented. Uh, we had what we called distance commanders. Um, every village, which was three cabin groups, uh, had their color. And so in the dining hall, their tables were grouped together with their color on it. But they had, we used uh, colored webbing. Uh, we had one person on our support staff that would go before any large group activity, would lay out those distance commanders so there were six feet between the circles. Uh, you found your color and you sat down and it was within probably 24 hours that they were moving. You know, they found their color and they went. It was actually pretty easy uh, that way. And that way those cohorts could stay together. They were far enough away that they could unmask except for uh, when we were sitting together. We, we used close to 30 gallons of hand sanitizer this summer. Uh, if you guys priced it out, you know that, that that comes to about eight grand that we spent on sanitizer this summer. That's one of the, uh, and I don't think that's going to going away. And I don't think it's going to be a lot cheaper next year. I think it may drop to the thirties, but not, you're paying about 40, 42 bucks a gallon uh, for it. Uh, our weeks were smaller, uh, but the last two we had were as big as we're probably gonna be ever be as long as I'm still here, uh, because we did do some adjusting in our cabins, pull some bunks out that will probably never go back in so that we have that distancing that will always be there uh, for cabin size. All right, uh, oh, we had, and we had a dedicated cleaning crew uh, that we pulled out of counseling staff, uh, extra extras. Uh, that became their job for the week, and they, they seven times a day, they hit the major areas that were touched, counters, bathroom counters in the, uh, in the shower house, railings, all those kind of things. Uh, probably the cleanest our site has ever, ever been. All right, Cam, you want to take it? Yeah. Um... So I'll move pretty quick here as well. The question was, you know, how did it feel different for camper staff full time? Uh, camper wise, uh, too different. Uh, the villages, we do the village system. The villages were smaller, like Dave said. Um, we, they were had to shower every day, which is a big change in the camp life, but I think a pretty good one for sure. Wearing the mask. Like they didn't have to wear a mask within the villages or the cabins, but when they're around other villages or people or doing big group activities, had to put those bad boys on. Besides that, uh, nothing too major. Got a lot of, like everybody was saying before, got a lot of, uh, man, this, this was my best week of camp. This just felt like, and I think that was the biggest compliment 
um, we could ever ask for from campers, right? I was listening to you talk about, you know, how pain how it was sometimes with the staff of uh, following with protocols and, you know, being the bad guy and being dad all the time. And, um, you know, for, for myself, it was like that at the beginning. It, it, it was also a come to Jesus a moment of like, yo, like, I know it sucks. Wearing a piece of cloth on your face is not ideal. Uh, but for us, you got to see the bigger picture, right? Bigger picture is how ministry can get done at a high level. And I think that's what really helped the staff understand of like, you can be mad and pout about it for, or go yell at a tree or do what you do. But once you're good, like come back, ready to roll. Like we're all in this together. And um, the other part of that was staff not leaving on site. That was a thing for a lot of staff because it, it's pretty easy weekends. We let staff just go and do what they want and they come back on the Sunday ready to roll. Once the norm was not going off site, wearing masks, once you adapt, we adapt that in the culture. Was it easy? Not at all, as you know. But once we got there, I think that's what really made it helped us be successful because then at the end of summer, you know, a lot of our first years, we were like, wow, like you're usually allowed to leave and like just come back whenever you want or like this or that. Like that was kind of the goal when we got there. Um, and again, it was the concentric circles. And uh, like somebody was saying earlier, we had staff. So if they had a cabin or a group of kids a week, the next week they would not have kids. They'd go on a day camp or on a trail maintenance team. And then they would just bounce back and forth and kind of what um, Brent, I believe, is you saying, uh, keeping those groups uh, together, working together during the summer so we can limit uh, the amount of exposure and cross contamination on that stuff. Um, staff is probably closer than ever just because made them be physically and mentally and spiritually, uh, you know, for full time. I don't know about y'all, but I'm sick of problem solving about COVID. It is my lead everything. Like camp problems are so much better. We just had like uh, this come in and like talk about some issues that are on. And I'm like, wow, this is so much better than COVID stuff. Like I really enjoy this, which is nuts. Cause I never would have said that. Um, but after you get past that mental game, um, you know, again, like, like Dave said, we got some pushback, but nothing that, obviously made us stop. We kept going and it really motivated our staff um, and ourselves. And uh, it's also one of those things where you feel like you get somewhere, right? You're like, good to go. And then bam, something else comes up and you're like, what the heck, dude? Like we just, got, we just figured this out. Um, and that's, that's just what COVID is for everybody. And so becoming patient and flexible with that as well. The other question was, was it worthwhile to have summer camp? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can say a hundred percent. I, I can definitely speak for the rainbow trail crew. It, it was, um, staff, once they adapted to it, they led the way kids followed, everybody bought in Uh mask are now just another piece of clothing that you wear and you style. And, uh, again, we've had campers come in forever and they've said this was our best week camp so far, which is like absolutely blows my mind. I me as a kid, Probably would have never said that. Screw that. I don't want to wear a mask at camp. That sucks. But, you know, they those kids are a lot better than me. And uh, saying that they just felt like camp, I think, is what really helped us achieve what we wanted to be, even though we're just mentally exhausted. You are as well. I think. So, yeah.
Let me just touch on, just to follow up what some other folks had said, um, the, the support has been unbelievable. We did a special campaign to cover staff salaries. Uh, we're not quite done with that yet, but, um, but as of last week, uh, we needed to raise about 158000 to cover all the staff that we brought in. And we're, we're sitting at 110000 that we brought in for that alone. But I think the other piece that's been amazing is that uh, our giving through the end of July, I don't have my August numbers yet, but our giving at the end of July, we were at 300% of what we normally were at the end of July. And so people have just been, it's, it's been unbelievable. Um, and a lot of that's been camper parents that have given part of their fee or all of their fee, family campers that, that did that. Uh, I think one of the hardest pieces for us was to, to get used or to, to be okay with people saying, uh, we're not gonna come because we don't feel comfortable. And it's not because we don't trust you guys, we just don't feel comfortable. And that was probably the hardest adjustment for me in all of this is to, to get past, oh, they're, they're saying that we're not safe. And it, that's not what they're saying. It's just their circumstance, their situation. Uh, they may have older adults that they take care of. And because of that, they can't, the chain, they can't have a kid come to camp that's going to go home to where parents, where parents take care of it. And that, um, so that was a real growing thing, I think, for both Cam and I this summer to, to just be able to be okay with that and, and to say, we'll see you in 2021. Just like for every one of our camps is a unique situation. Every one of our campers is coming from a unique situation. Yeah, that was, uh, I can see that. It, I, I think if if people are thinking about doing this next year, I, I would start now because <laughs> I'm with Jesse. I, I think we're going to be living with this. I think we all think that. And that was part of the reason we decided to go as well is that we're either going to have to learn it this year or we're going to have to learn it next year. And uh, there's a wealth of knowledge that's uh, on this screen right now that, that will be able to help lots of people. I think the number one thing is consistency. And I think uh, you can't get complacent. You can't get lazy and say, oh, we, we got it. You got to keep getting better as you go, right? And, uh, you know, I think Ben was talking about that, that you just got to keep getting, getting, improving your things as you go and keeping staff on track um, because it'd be real easy to kind of settle into it. And that's, that's when something happens. So, yeah, we, we fully believe grace of God. We, we fully understood that there was a chance and we feel blessed that right now, nothing. Uh, but uh, we didn't go in thinking that it wasn't a possibility. Well, we'll hope it stays that way. And um, if by chance there is a case that pops up, it's certainly not because you haven't taken every precaution to keep everybody safe that's for sure and that that's sort of the thread that runs through all of this is that we can be so grateful for you and everyone throughout this network without exception for taking such care and being so thorough in um, carrying through on whatever your decision was about this summer at camp and for that, we can be grateful. We can also be grateful for the help we give to each other. It's one of the reasons I'm really grateful for the time that you put in to making this podcast um, a reality. 
And uh, one of the reasons we're doing this, uh, we're recording this podcast now before August turns into September, is because we know that uh, one of your words of advice to those who are considering reinstituting their summer camp next summer is uh, start early and start planning early because it's a lot of work to do summer camp in the middle of a pandemic. I think that's what we're going to do. I thank you very much. Again, we'll look forward to seeing you around the network. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.